0: Amen. Held the King of glory. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray. I do not want it to be of habit. I want it to be of necessity, and I know tonight that the work to be done here is not a speech to be given by man, but the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. For, Lord, we need to hear from you through your word, and so I yield... The best way I know how is a vessel, as a tool in your hand, to accomplish your will tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want to go a step further in the message this uh, from this morning, using the same illustration and the same sermon title, "The King's Highway." Isaiah 40 verses 3 and 4, of the Bible says, "The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness." Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. There are four instructions given in the next verse, and here's what they are. Number one, every valley shall be exalted. Number two, every mountain and hill shall be made low. Number three, and the crooked shall be made straight. And fourthly, the rough places plain. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew in chapter 3. A part of this or a wording of this is given again in all four Gospels. This morning we saw what the Bible said in John 1 verse number 23. When John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Isaiah. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 3, the Bible says, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. There are at least three basic applications of the passage given in Isaiah chapter 40, and the first would be a prophecy some 150 years before it took place, that the children of Israel would no longer go through the captivity or the 70 years of captivity would end and they would return from captivity to rebuild and see their city and their holy place restored. The second application is very easy to find. As you see, it's repeated in every gospel, and it, and it points to John the Baptist heralding the coming of King Jesus. Third of all, there is an application for our lives. As I preached this morning, certainly the King came to give us salvation. He came that we may be born again. And yet there is another application I want us to see in the message tonight as represented by the nation of Israel, and that is the opportunity for, not the requirement of, but the opportunity for revival in our lives, in our churches, and in our nation. Isaiah chapter 40 is very interesting to me as it begins the last major division of the book of Isaiah. And there is a sharp contrast between the first half of Isaiah, which is 39 chapters, and the second half of Isaiah, which is 27 chapters. The first section, the first 39 chapters, show to us or give to us a revelation of God's sovereignty, that God is in control. The final section, the last 27 chapters, is a revelation of God's Son, the Savior of the world. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see the sovereign's crown. In Isaiah 53, we see the Savior's cross. The theme in the first section, the first 39 chapters, is the government of God. This section, the last 27 chapters, beginning with Isaiah 40, is about not the government of God, but the grace of God. Isaiah 40 through chapter 66 is often referred to as the New Testament of the Old Testament. It has 27 chapters like the 27 books of the New Testament and it begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. Isaiah 40 verses 3 and 4 is very easy to find when you come to Matthew chapter 3, John chapter 1 and in the other gospels. It emphasizes in the second division Christ and his salvation. Chapter 53 of Isaiah is the very heart of the book and it is the greatest Old Testament description of Christ's substitutionary death on the cross of Calvary. While while Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 emphasize God's chastisement on his people for their sin, Isaiah 40 through 66 sound the chords of comfort and redemption for the people of God. This very passage was written to encourage the Jewish remnant that would be delivered from the Babylonian captivity after their 70 years of punishment. It was a picture of the revival of a nation from ruins to revival, that can represent revival in the hearts of God's people as we live in the New Testament age. Look at verse number 1 again, if you will, at Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God, For you see, just as the nation of Israel would wander from their faith and commitment to Christ and that would bring a punishment, that would bring a chastisement to get them to return to obedience so God could bless them again, so we the people of God are so prone to wander away from the will of God and our relationship with God bringing the same difficult reminders that you and I are made to walk with Christ every day. Let me make sure you get what I just said for the purpose of the entire message. We, the people of God, we're prone to wonder. Even now, the spiritual warfare rages, trying to steal the minds of God's people, trying to get folks to think about anything except the fact of what God would desire to do in our life if we would prepare the way for him to do a marvelous work. I'll say it again. Even now, spiritual warfare takes place, trying to keep us from thinking about the message and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit that would speak to our heart. For I tell you, I believe that many Christians today live with far less of the blessings and the goodness of God that he desires in our life. But so often, we wander from our relationship with God, We wonder from the will of God. Understanding where this phrase originated, Isaiah 43 and 4, helps us to understand the whole picture or the whole application of what the picture represents. I'll say it again tonight. As I said this morning, a herald would come into town and would say, the king wants the highway to come through this town. For you see, the king has goods that he wants to deliver to this town that he may trade for the goods of this town and return them to his place. For you see, some had grain, some had gold, some had silver, some had silk, some had wool, some had medicine. And it was always good news that the king would build a highway. John the Baptist was the herald that said Jesus is coming. And perhaps the greatest line or the phrase that I think of most when I think of John the Baptist are the words that he said recorded in John chapter 1 and verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. This Middle Eastern highway called the King's Highway is an illustration of what God wants to do in our lives. For the King wants to work in our lives and He says to us, prepare the way. Prepare the way for God to work in your life. Now let me point out the work of building a highway was difficult for the high places had to be made low. The valleys had to be filled in. The rough places had to be smoothed and the crooked places had to be straightened. And when they did build those highways, the goods of those towns and the goods of those nations were brought to other nations and with it, there was great joy and even deliverance from sickness and disease. Hear me well, children of God, the Bible is saying to us to prepare for what the king can do for us. Throughout the word of God, we find the word prepare. It's an interesting Bible study. God tells us to prepare. It means to make ready for something to take place in your life. Now think about that. God wants to work in my life. I don't know about you. I don't want to miss anything God wants to do in my life. I don't want to miss it. I want to be prepared, and he tells us to prepare. He told them to prepare uh, as they were ready to leave the land of Egypt. He told them to prepare for the Passover. He said, "If you'll take the lamb and you'll spill its blood, and you'll take the blood and taking it, hyssop, a uh, strike it on the doorpost." He said, "When the death angel passes over, he will pass over you, and there'll not be death in your home. There'll be life if you'll simply prepare." He told them more than once, prepare your hearts. Make your hearts ready for the goodness of God. Prepare your houses, prepare your house for the goodness of God. Prepare your work, prepare the way of the Lord. May I say tonight, I believe God desires for us not to experience revival from time to time. I believe God desires for us to live in a state of revival. I believe God desires for us that our relationship would be wonderful and strong and bring the joy that God wants us to have in our life. The Bible says that husbands are to love their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. May I tell you tonight by way of illustration and testimony, marriage is a wonderful thing. I'm so thankful that God has ordained and designed the home and family and marriage, I'm thankful for the 32 plus years God has given my wife and I. What a joy it is to live together, to serve together, to rear our children, to desire to do God's will. There's nothing more comforting than to have that wonderful relationship that's what it's supposed to be between husband and wife. May I say tonight, God wants our relationship to be with him close and to be intimate. God wants tonight to fellowship with us and God so much wants to us to prepare the way for God to do a great work in our lives. I want us to look at these four simple things as he tells us, as he tells us. I want you to prepare The way. Before I give you the four that I've mentioned and read already, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. At this point in time, Jesus looked over Jerusalem and Jesus wept. His heart was broken, not because of his inability, not because of his lack of love in any way, but what I want you to notice what he says in verse number 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not how sad he said i would have loved you i would have protected you have you, have you ever seen how I many have you ever seen a mother hen with chickens Have you ever seen that a beautiful picture I, I i remember uh growing up uh, always having uh, chickens one of the things that uh, folks have asked me through the years about blessing animals blessing dogs and cats have never done that but i have blessed a lot of chickens So we always had chickens growing up and uh, it was interesting to see those mother hens that they'd, they'd, they'd be gone for a while they'd make a nest and of course it took them three weeks to go from their eggs to hatching and about four weeks they'd come home they'd have all those little chickens behind them. A storm would be coming and, and you know you, you could tell the storm was coming a while before it got there because the leaves would start to turn up You start to see the darkening in the distance that mother hen would start clucking she'd start the closer the storm got the more and the louder she would start clucking those little those little chickens they'd, they'd gather around her and they get closer and closer and she would settle in over those chicks the storm would pass and she would sit there as a the storm the rain would fall and the winds would blow and the chicks would just sit there safely Mother hen will often sit in the same place even when there is a prairie fire or a forest fire. Many times it's happened when a fire would come through and would take the life of the mother hen, but the chickens would survive because of her protection. Jesus said, Jerusalem? How oft!" Would I have gathered thee as a hen, gathereth under her chickens, under her wings, and ye would not. What does God want to do in our lives? What does God desire to do with our lives? What does God desire to do in our homes? What does God desire to do in our churches? He said prepare ye the way as an example of the nation of Israel being restored from ruins to revival. We see a picture here of what God's people can do if we'll simply prepare the way. First of all, he says the valley's Those have to be exalted. Now think about it. It refers to a filling process. Something is missing in the valley. A valley is a crevice, a gutter, a a low place. When I look at my life and I wonder what do I need to fill? What am I missing for God to do a work in my life, what do I need to prepare for? The first thing I think about in God doing a work in my life is I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. There must be less of me and there must be more of Him. Paul said I must decrease. He must increase And in I think of, of, the, of the working of God in my life and filling the voids. I, I hunger to be filled with the Spirit of God that He may yield Use me in my life. A hunger to spend time with Him, time that needs to be filled with prayer. Not just asking God for things, but in a time of fellowship, letting God work on my attitude before they would become an action. Uh, Letting God work in my mind, in my heart, filling time with prayer, filling my mind with the Word of God. What needs to be filled? What valley in your life, uh, what time uh, spot in your life needs to be filled with something valuable that if you put something valuable there, it would give God an opportunity to work in your life. Time that needs to be filled with the word of God. Some need to come to the place of forgiveness of others. Some need to deal with the matter of guilt understanding they don't need to listen to the voice of satan that would remind them of failure but listen to the voice of the savior that says you're forgiven don't live in your guilt past live in your forgiven future and go on to serve me by faith uh, and go on to do a work for me don't let your guilt be a a burden to hold you down don't let an anger or a self-righteousness come in your life." Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of James tonight. What is it that's a valley in your life that needs to be filled? Do you need to be filled with the Spirit of God? Is there time that needs to be filled with prayer, with the Word of God, with time in God's house? Folks, can I tell you right now what God is doing in our life, what God is doing in a church service, we need what's going on right now. Go to James, I might have said Hebrews, James chapter 4. Notice what he says here in verse number 7. Talking about filling the void, filling the valley, preparing the way for the king, preparing the way for revival, filling the void. Notice what he said, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your heart, your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know what he's saying here? Prepare for God to do a work in your life. God wants to work. Do the preparation and God will feel, God will work in your heart and life. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn. This is a decision. Weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall, notice this, lift you up. Now to prepare the king's highway, they had to fill in the void. The second thing I want you to notice, some things must be brought low. You see, every mountain and hill, as they would make the highway, they would fill the valleys and they had to take down the mountains and the hills. This refers to things that need to be reduced in our life for God to work in our life. A mountain or a hill is something that stands taller than the landscape around it. Throughout history, mountains and hills have always been seen as barriers. A book in my office, written in the late 1800s, tells the story of the first church in Hazard, Kentucky, a uh, uh, First Baptist Church of Hazard. And it tells the story how the preacher came from Bible College down in Cumberland and he rode the train from Cumberland in the Cumberland Valley to Breathick County. That's where the train station was the closest to Hazard. There was no road, there was no highway. Uh, There was a road, it was made for horse and buggy. And the preacher told of how, uh, that uh, he rode the train to Breathick County. And then he took the horse and buggy and he talked about the difficulties of traveling uh, from the train station. Uh, around those mountains oftentimes through uh, difficult creeks and oftentimes on the side of the hill uh, trying to get into that valley uh, that place of hazard where the people lived uh, for the planning of the church several beautiful pictures in there and the whole book emphasizes the work of witnessing and winning people to christ it shows a picture of the of the pastor sitting on the front porch of a, of a man's house in the early 1900s with Bible open showing him how he could know Christ as Savior. But but the book talks about the difficulty of the mountains and eventually of course the uh, those paths were made into roads and, and the roads were made into highways and, and the mountains were a barrier. What is it in your life? God wants to do work in your life but there's mountains, there's barriers in the way. We need to prepare the way for God to work in our life. Jealousy is a mountain that is difficult for God, makes it difficult for God to work in our lives. Pride is a mountain. God hates pride. Things that need to be taken away. There's no place for jealousy. There's no place for pride. There's no place for lust and allowing the lust of our flesh to drive the behaviors of our body. But there must be a Crucifying of the flesh. There must be a taking away of the mountain to make a way, to prepare the way for God to do a work in our lives. Everyone has mountains in their lives, and we have to work to get to keep those out to keep those from piling up sometimes it's fear sometimes it's hypocrisy sometimes it's disobedience to the will of God sometimes it's just busyness we get busy and we allow things to come between us and God he said prepare the way the king wants to do a work in your life he wants to take the city from ruin to revival he wants to take your life hey can I tell you something those on fire for God tonight and those that have a close and intimate relationship with God tonight it didn't just happen because God forced it or knocked them in the head no sir they yielded to the will of God they yielded to the voice of God they got rid of the sin they got rid of the mountains they got rid of the hills by the way when the mountains are brought down the low places are filled in You watch them build a highway through the mountains. You know what they put in the valley? The mountains. You'll not get the Spirit of God before you get rid of the sin in your life. You get rid of the jealousy, the pride, the arrogance, the the selfishness. Get rid of those things. When the mountains are removed, the valleys are filled. Some things need to be lined up, some things need to be made straight. Notice what he says in Isaiah chapter 40. And the crooked shall be made straight. This refers to getting things lined up like they ought to be. The word crooked comes from a word that means deceitful. The word crooked comes from the same word. We get the word sly or slippery. Plainly said in the Word of God, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The Bible is constantly saying, It's not your way, it's my way. In the cantata, we saw a young lady that said, Yes, I, I have faith, but I have faith on my own terms. Can I tell you something? I don't go to God on my terms. He's God, He's the giver of life. We go to God on his terms. God the Father says in 1 John chapter 5, and this is the record that he hath given of his Son. It's God's ways. Remember the days we traveled by looking at a map? Back when you paid attention where you were going? You, 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 you don't even look at signs anymore. We just listen for that woman to tell us where we are. And she often says, make a U-turn. But in the days that we carried a map and we, we unfolded the map and we were looking at it and looked like a long way this way. You ever taken a shortcut that looked like it saved a lot of miles? Three days later your wife is still saying I told you not to take this road (laughs) But the interstate is 60 miles further We can save 60 miles if we go on this side road Doesn't say you have to have a four wheel drive to get through the creek You know what God is saying right here You need to make the crooked way straight I know what's best My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. If we want revival in our lives, if we want God working in our lives, we have to identify those areas where we've taken the wrong road and get back on the right track, get back on the king's highway. Perhaps it's a friendship or a relationship that's taken you away from God. No friendship or relationship is right that pulls you away from God. The only person that has a right to be jealous, that is God because he is righteous God. He is my creator. I belong to him. No other relationship, no other friendship, no other responsibility should pull me away from him the cares of the world, the recreation of the world, the pursuits of things that take me away from God. Some have wandered down a path of self-righteousness and self-reasoning and those paths are crooked paths. He said, make the crooked straight, yield to my will. And then he says, last of all, the fourth step in making a way for the king The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. When I think of the word rough, as I read the synonyms and the definition for the word rough here, I found the word that which is impassable, impassable, roughness. It has to me the idea of doubtful. It speaks to the areas of life that are questionable it speaks to those things that we have to find folks to help us say this is right because we know in our hearts there's something not right with this behavior are you listening to me Those things that we have to find someone to justify our behavior. Can I tell you, if God and his word, if God and his spirit cannot bring a peace and a satisfaction in our hearts to our behavior, and it is questionable, there's no man that can take away the doubt and the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the word of God has to be our guide. I don't want to travel doubtful places. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 that I'm to abstain from the appearance of evil. That's why the Bible says of the deacon and of the pastor that he is to be above reproach, not living a life that is questionable that others could point to and say, should a preacher be living like that? Should a preacher be saying that? Oh no, he's saying here that we're to make the rough places Often we allow gossip Or envy Or anger Or bad habits To come in our life Rough Places May I say tonight God desires to do a work in our life You imagine The herald comes into town Said hey folks The king wants to build a highway Through here There's medicine that can be brought if we can build the highway. Folks begin to volunteer and they say, I'll help build that highway. I'd do anything to help get the medicine and the wool and the silk and the the goods of the the countries to ours. I'd help build the highway and I talked about that this morning as far as folks coming to Christ for savior. Oh, but tonight I want the king to do a work in my life, not just salvation, but the work of sanctification that sets me apart for a specific purpose that God can fill me and use me so that he can receive. The glory that he desires to receive from my life. I want God to do as he will in my life. I want to prepare. Think about it. We prepare for a lot of things. The cantata was a result of preparation. We asked God to bless that preparation and I believe he did. We prepare for church, we prepare for work, we prepare so many things. And as we're prepared, those things are blessed in our life. God said, I wanna bless your life. Isaiah, tell them comfort is coming. Prepare the way. Isaiah, tell them to prepare the way. Make the valleys, fill them in. Bring those things up that are missing. The mountains that are obstacles take them down. The paths that are crooked make them straight. The ways that are rough make them smooth. I want to do a work in their life. I don't know about you, I don't want to make it difficult for God to work in my life. I want to present myself that he may easily, in his will, do as he desires. Stand with me if you will.